From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Today I'm talking with a professor from Upstate about the importance of funding for scientific research. Dr. Steve Haynes is a professor of biochemistry and molecular biology. Thank you for being here, Dr. Haynes. You're welcome. So I wanted to start off, give me three examples of um, things that the public can thank biomedical research for. Okay, the first and most uh, obvious one is the vaccines and antibiotics. So we've uh, pretty much eradicated a number of infectious diseases like, for instance, smallpox uh, has been totally eradicated from the earth, in fact. Um, it used to kill over 2 million people a year, and now we've uh, been able to control that and along with other debilitating diseases like typhoid, polio, measles, tetanus, and other kinds of infectious disease. Um, so that's one example. Another is that we're actually uh, highly successful in, in curing uh, several forms of childhood leukemia now, which wasn't the case 20 or 30 years ago. And uh, I guess finally, the one of the obvious things for everybody is that our lifespan is now 15 to 20 years longer than it was for, say, a generation ago or a generation or two ago. So um, I think we can thank biomedical research and public health efforts for all that. Okay, those are good examples. Now tell me how you, what, what you do here at Upstate in biomedical research. What are, what are you involved in? Well, so first of all, I, I teach uh, basic science to medical students, um, first-year students, and I also teach uh, graduate students who are getting their Ph.D., and I serve as a mentor for those, those students. Um, but my main goal, my main um, effort is, is running a research lab, biomedical research. What, um, do you have any projects right now that you can explain well, so our, our basic um, area is molecular genetics. So that's understanding the mechanism of, of how genes work. And um, specifically, we're interested in understanding how, how the information in, contained in the DNA is transcribed into RNA and then how those genes work in, uh, in controlling embryonic development. Oh, interesting. Okay. And I understand that you and um, some of your colleagues from upstate attended the March for Science in Washington back um, on Earth Day, April 22nd. What was, what was that all about? What was that for? That's right. So, well, this was a, a major nonpartisan event, probably the biggest um, gathering of scientists in history, actually, throughout the, the country and the world. So there were marches in something like 500 cities around, uh, around the um, globe. And we went to Washington. This was basically a non nonpartisan event uh, to show support for science um, and to try to get the public to appreciate the value of science to their, you know, to their everyday lives and health, and and also actually to try to sway the representatives who are currently um, negotiating budgets for scientific funding. So is that what motivated? Well, so yeah, the my personal motivation to get out of the lab and actually make the effort to go down there was to um, uh, basically support the idea of uh, funding for science, which is really uh, lagging in the, in the last decade or so. So since, I think since 19, uh, since 2003, funding has been more or less flat for the National Institutes of Health, which supports biomedical research, which we do here. Um, and in, in real dollars, it's been a decline of about almost 25%. So there's really a lack of, of funding for, for basic science in, in the biomedical area and, and other areas. So this is federal funding um, that you're talking about from, from the government? Yes, this is federal funding. 
So why is federal research funding so important? So, um, well, yeah, let me backtrack for a second and say that um, in addition to the, f- the flat funding over the last decade or more, um, the current administration has actually proposed um, pretty massive cuts to basic research. So that's a, another motivational reason for, go- for going down to, uh, to the March for Science is because um, about a 20% cut for next year's budget has been proposed. So a 20% cut, if you're a researcher working <laughs> on a project, I mean, this could kill some projects. Right. So this would basically mean almost no new projects would be funded, and those projects that are already funded and ongoing would have uh, would be restricted, and, and so it would really stifle innovation in, in biomedical research. And a lot of labs would end up closing down. It's, it's that serious. Wow. Well, um, does private industry or private funds play a role in, um, in this? So private industry does spend a tremendous amount on research, but it really can't take the place of federal funding. So, um, for example, private industry doesn't really want to take the high risks that some of the basic research sponsored by the federal government is able to take. So um, they shy away from very risky, long-term research, which doesn't always have, um, it's hard to bring to market, it's difficult to patent. Um, There's a whole host of reasons why they don't like to necessarily fund very early research, which is really where the government comes in. So um, I would argue that um, part of the reason that um, the United States is is a leader, a world leader, is is because of basic science funding since World War II. Um, Very, very strong government support for science. And um, you can think of a a lot of... uh, uh, the progress we've made, say, in electronics, communications, computers, cell phones, the Internet, GPS, it goes on and on, medical imaging. So all these things um, came out of basic research funding that was not really – it was capitalized on later by companies, but the initial work and the science behind it is all federally funded. It had to start somewhere right. with the funding. Um, this is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Steve Haynes, a professor of biochemistry and molecular biology at Upstate Medical University. Uh, we're talking about the importance of funding for scientific research. So uh, what do you think needs to happen to ensure um, funding that, that stays, that's good for the long, for the long haul? Um, well, Actually, can I add one more, a couple more things about the importance of federal funding um, and then why we need to, to keep that um, sustained? Um, another really important um, role it plays is in, in education. So industry, uh, although they, they benefit by having us graduate um, doctorate, doctoral candidates, they don't actually pay for the funding for students. So that's generally federally funded um, uh, in an indirect kind of way. So although the students may be coming to upstate to get their PhD or to other universities around the country, um, the research is actually not funded by the university. So for example, my research, um, uh, upstate pays my salary and gives me lab space and um, equipment, but the actual research is funded by external grants, say from the National Institutes of Health or National Science Foundation. So in order for me to take students into my lab, I have to be grant funded. So without that federal funding, 
we're basically not going to cha- uh, train the next generation of scientists. Oh, wow. So even though the schools, um, you know, the schools depend, uh, their laboratories depend on federal funding for, for, um, for the research um, funding and to pay the, the trainees in the labs. So that's the other really important thing that only federal funding can do and private funding, uh, uh, corporate funding doesn't really take care of. Okay. So is there, do, is there a solution to make this more of a, something that would be stable from year to year, that funding would not fluctuate? So that's a really good point. The stability is really important to maintain um, laboratory uh, research without interruption so you don't lose all the expertise um, from year to year. One thing is to get the public behind it. So, I mean, our congressional representatives are the ones who pass the budgets and are able to, um, you know, generally keep science labs funded um, by including uh, reasonable um, sort of uh, inflationary adjusted um, increases. Um, so, basically, if, if the public understands and appreciates the importance of science, that will translate into our elected representatives doing the same and passing budgets that, inc- that keep science labs funded. Would you, given all of the situation right now, would you recommend research science as a career path to someone who's interested in this? It oh. seems like it might be kind of a hard field to that, that's, get into right now. That's a really, really difficult question. So in the past, I would have said unconditionally, if you want to be a scientist, go into it. Now I hesitate a little bit because I realize how difficult funding is, and that's really a shame because we have so many smart people uh, wanting to go into science, but when they see that the professors are struggling to get grant funding just to keep their labs open, a lot of them are actually turned away. So I, I think actually this is, this is hugely important. Um, there's a lot of talent in this country, and I think if we don't keep supporting science the way we have traditionally since World War II, say, I think we're going to lose that edge to other countries that are pouring massive amounts of money into, into research. Oh. Well, do you, are there some major challenges for biomedical research in the near and, and even distant future that you see? Sure. There's, um, we still haven't really capitalized on the Human Genome Project to its full extent. So that was a, an example of a, a, a big federally funded project that, that had a huge economic impact. Um, and uh, we're still learning about um, the human genome and tracking diseases to um, their genetic causes and then trying to use that information to, to generate personalized um, medicine. So personalized medicine is, is the future. Um, people will go into the doctor's office and the first thing will happen is they'll get um, a sample taken and their whole genome will be sequenced and we'll have a profile, be able to tell what drugs would likely work in, in certain cases for, for either cancers or other diseases. So personalized medicine, I would say computer brain interfaces are just being developed now. Um, so first of all, with our aging population, it, it, it's pretty clear that we have to develop treatments for things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and diseases that tend to be uh, hit the elderly more. There's, and this, There's a lot that lays ahead. <laughs> My guest has been Upstate's Dr. Steve Haynes, a professor of biochemistry and molecular biology. I'm Amber Smith for the podcast and talk show produced by Upstate, HealthLink on Air.